0: Big hit, dreaming about a premiership car. We love our clubs, but they never win. Two flags in one hundred years. <laughs> Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now.
1: That was two years ago, mate. Get over it. If you think we'll be insightful, clever or just won't well be searched. We're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are Two Guys, One Cup.
0: It is a Friday, April 27th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson.
1: My name is Charlie Clawson, and we've hit the ground without doing our warm-up. We have yeah, literally, absolutely. we arrived at the ground, we just bolted over the fence and jumped on. We didn't, we're, we're basically pulling on our jerseys as we're, as we're getting to our positions.
0: Well, basically what has happened, Charlie, is the team bus broke down yeah. on the way to the venue and we've got there a little bit late. We haven't had a chance to have a kick to kick on the ground beforehand. We haven't yeah. had any inspirational speeches from the coaches. Yeah. Uh, we are on a time limit. We're recording this on the day. Obviously, we're hoping to get this up before the next round and uh, or while the next round is starting. It's been a hard week this week because of the extended yeah. AFL season. The, the final game of the round wasn't until Wednesday, so yeah. uh, we're on a time limit and we- uh,
1: let's just get into it. We really needed a Peter Hudson-type chopper service to operate for us in this instance. You know, you know that story about Peter Hudson getting the 71 grand final in a chopper?
0: Well, I mean, I like to think that Nat Fife is uh, 2018's <laughs> Peter Hudson. And <laughs> yeah. I think if we'd been recording this episode, obviously, over in Western Australia, we could have got Nat to come and pick us up on the way to the podcast and drop us off. But unfortunately, uh, we don't have access to Nat Fife, who uh, let's just get it out at the start of the podcast, guys. Is really good again. Nat yes. Five really good again. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it out loud. I'm gonna say something different in this podcast. I'm gonna nail Frio fans out there who've been waiting. Going obviously Frio belted the Bulldogs. Uh, there'll be a comprehensive breakdown of that entire game as Will and Charlie go down it blow by blow and highlight all the wonderful Fremantle players who played so well on that day. Uh, Nat Five still
1: really good. Let's move on. <laughs> I have nothing to add to that. I really (laughs) tried to uh, focus on all the other footy podcasts I listened to this week when they talked about Frio to see if some of the names would stick in my head, because they were all talking about how great Frio are and Ross Lyons doing such a great job regenerating them and stuff. And they talked about Nat Fife playing well and Sandlands is back in good form. And then the only other thing I could remember is like Stephen Hill's back to a flank instead of like a midfielder and... There's a a, a a rookie listed guy or like a, a late draft pickup who's doing pretty well off a halfback flank. Apparently, comprehensive.
0: He's like, comprehensive uh, apparently, <laughs> coverage of Fremantle.
1: Apparently, he's number one in, in one percenters. So uh, that's good. good. Go, Freo. <laughs> there you go, Freo fans. Nailed it. <laughs> that's
0: what you wanted. That is the comprehensive deep dive on the Freo list that you've all been requesting.
1: Yeah, we're the Daily Mail of Footy Podcasts. We just take other people's stories and just repeat them on this show as if they're ours. And, oh, not,
0: yeah. even,
1: and not even get the facts right. <laughs> just the gist of yeah. the
0: original article. <laughs>
1: um, so what do you think of the extended round? Have you been a fan or is it too much?
0: Oh, I like it, I've got to say. I mean, I must admit the, the fact that I also got Wednesday off the radio, which was nice coming off the back of touring. The midweek break, I've got to be honest with you, I was, uh, I mean, thank God for the diggers, you know, Charlie. Um, mostly, uh, I didn't get up for the dawn service because I think I normally get up at dawn. So I, you know, I think the diggers would have liked me to have a, a lie in that day, have a bit of a rest. Um, I love the midweek footy, but it does mean that by the time you get to the weekend, you're like, oh God, we've just been playing footy for
1: two weeks, basically. I think they need to go further. This whole thing about a three-day turnaround for like Collingwood and Richmond and stuff, I reckon they should have the Friday night game. I reckon give them 24 hours to recover.
0: Or while you've got 90,000 people at the MCG, just uh, bring out another team. (laughs) Go back to back yeah right I mean Collingwood Collingwood are already like up and about you know they're ready to go the winner of the game immediately plays the next team they're meant to be playing straight yeah. afterwards
1: yeah it's like it's like a pool table in a pub you, you, you keep the table every win you keep the table
0: Winner keeps the table and the two other teams that you might be up against, you know, depending on who the winner is, are both there at the ground ready to go and they both have to prepare and be ready to go. (laughs) They've got their 20 cents on the corner of the oval on the boundary line and they're ready to be up next.
1: Yeah, but no warm-ups. Like a two-guys-one-cup episode, they should be in the stands ready to go, but there's no warm-ups. They can't stretch, they can't get their skills going, just to level out the exhaustion that the team holding the ground has.
0: I love it, Charlie. In fact, we have them in two blimps above the ground. You have both sides in two blimps. And there's like, you know, one sort of... And they, they have to actually go down a rope onto the ground to start playing.
1: Well, I think we just honour the AFL's past, and we have them in two Angry Anderson-style Batmobiles at either ends of the ground. How about this? So Collingwood wins, Essendon leave the field, then the two other teams in the wings charge out at full speed like Mad Max Fury Road style in those cars, and they smash like Demolition Derby, and whoever is still standing at the end of that gets to play in the next game.
0: I like it. It, it might play havoc with the injury tile and the draw. <laughs> so I'm going to suggest... Batman style blimps. Let's combine okay. it. So right. you have the blimps done up like the Angry Anderson Batmobile. You <laughs> yeah. have two of it's them.
1: It's 2018, of course. Like, you've got to yeah. take it up a notch.
0: <laughs> exactly. AFLX style. And so you have two blimps, uh, Batmobile blimps, bat planes <laughs> up above uh, the ground, and they're ready to go at any stage. What happens is they start playing the next game. And when the ball is bounced, the players are allowed to alert, emerge from the blimp. So that's Collingwood's advantage, right? They get to start with all their players on the ground, but they're exhausted (laughs) having just played a game. The other players are in a blimp above the game and then it's up to them how quickly they get onto the ground. So you can either go the mode of getting one down a rope, one at a time, the safety method, but then you're like one on 18, two on 18 for a considerable period of the first quarter. Or you've got them all in parachutes and they're just jumping out of the blimp into their position.
1: Well, I think if you go the zip line route, like you're dropping ropes out of the plane, you take your Ruckman and like baby koalas, you get as many like forward pockets and small forwards and small defenders onto his back. So at least, I mean, I reckon Aaron Sanderlands could at least get Michael Walters, Hayden Ballantyne, uh, Stephen Hill, uh, a few of those smaller kind of midfielders. He could get like at least five players. So at least you got a midfield. In fact, most midfields would be that proportion, right? You have got the big Ruckman, then you've got some sort of mid-sized midfielders. Where you're stuffed as if you're like Sydney or the Bulldogs where you've got the prototypical utility midfielder like a Bontempele or a Josh Kennedy. Too big to get on the Ruckman's back.
0: Yeah, exactly. bontempelli has been carrying the team enough. He doesn't actually have <laughs> to carry them down out of a blimp onto the ground. But I like your idea, Charlie. You send down Sandilands first. He holds the rope. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other players climb down the rope and climb over Sandy onto the ground. <laughs>
1: Oh, I can see why people tune into this podcast for insightful football commentary.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we're getting this up before the next round so that people can really get informed tips in <laughs> for the weekend.
1: So how do you feel after the Bulldogs performance? Oh, it was what no are no you? it was shit. What's the matter? Yeah. You right? You've had Yeah, sorry, I just had, I had, a headphone, had a headphone issue. No, I uh, read your lips. You've managed you said, to
0: lose your volume. I don't know what just happened, Charlie, can but you not now I can't hear you talking.
1: Hang on. Can you hear me now? Hang on, we've lost the audio.
0: Says Michael, which is Hello? a fancier version of me saying I can't hear you talking. Can you, can you hear me now? Either that, or I've gone deaf. I can't yeah. hear you now, but I could read your lips. Going, can you hear me now? <laughs> okay. Turns out, turns out that I can read lips. I wasn't aware that I could already read lips. But H-
1: how's that? If this podcast, no?
0: this podcast is turned into the movie A Quiet Place, <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Charlie has monsters surrounding him in uh, my apartment, and he has to be completely silent for the rest of the podcast uh okay there's been a, a technology issue he's called for a change of boots he's have, gonna have to go to different uh headphones he's turning them on right now he's putting them back on his head do we have you back charlie
1: hello can you can hear me i can charlie hello okay all right sorry we're back we have to sub in a new set of headphones a pair of headphones break down on me in the first quarter
0: yeah, look. That is you've 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 worn the long, you've worn the wrong uh, shoes. Basically, you've yeah. worn the molded soles, and the conditions need some screw in stops. Essentially, you've started the podcast, and the commentary team are like, "This is they're they're slipping over all over the place. Yeah. This is a terrible start. They've clearly, you know, who I blame for the start of this? The boot stutter. <laughs> this was clearly the boot stutter's responsibility to have you having a fully charged pair of headphones to use for this podcast."
1: Well, the problem was I put in the old school analog style headphones with the short stops, and I really should have gone for the longer ones. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, bulldogs. Now, my, is my feeling on the bulldogs is that I was really bullish—no pun intended—after the last couple of weeks. I'm like, oh, you know what? As long as they put in that kind of performance, they're going to beat more teams than they lose to. But here's this thing about this league and this competition at the moment. And every coach says it, and it's a cliche, but it's so true. If you are the slightest bit off, if you do not bring that manic pressure to every game, you're going to get slaughtered, especially against good teams.
0: Well, what I was going to say, Charlie, is you are absolutely right, which Mm. is that idea that you know the Bulldogs will be competitive if they bring that level of competitiveness to each game. But they didn't. It got lost on the Nullarbor somewhere on the flight over. They lost that level of desire. I don't know if you saw this story that Petrarca... Is out this weekend because his dog bit him on the hand. Yet another <laughs> AFL dog related out, um, out with rabies. It's a full moon
1: this weekend and it's very tough for him to play because he might turn into a werewolf. I mean, that's going to be a record for any professional sporting organization to have like out because of dog bites. There's been what, at least two this year or two in the last 18 months to go in and been- has uh, Hang on, a dog Dugowie- was a fake dog. Was yeah, real well, Dagoe had a dog-related accident. There
0: was a dog-vomit-related accident <laughs> by one of the players, I know. And But here's the thing. Petrarca has already had a separate dog-related out. You might not remember this, but a couple of years ago, he was playing basketball with one of his dogs and injured himself, but it was a different dog. This is his other dog. He's had a completely separate, different dog-related accident. He was playing basketball with his
1: dog. Is that dog yeah. Air Bud?
0: Air Bud, yes. He, uh, when Air Bud retired, Christian Petrarca adopted him from a pound. Air Bud was going to get put down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Demons. Demons, uh, I've sort of fallen off the vitriol train. Like at the start of the season, I was much more enjoying like picking on them. How do you feel? Are you still enjoying this? Uh, yes. Yes, oh, yes I would are. say yes. If the yeah, Bulldogs are doing
0: mean, better, would you? I, don't, I think I would feel like I was punching down a little bit if the Bulldogs were yeah, exactly. doing better. But I still feel like I'm punching up at the moment because the Bulldogs <laughs> are going so terribly. By the way, my gi- giant plan was that I think the Bulldogs should start biting other players. If dog yeah, right. bites are keeping people out, I think that should be our new tactic. Say, example, tonight, you send out whoever's got the best set of teeth down at the Bulldogs, whoever's looking the hungriest in the pregame, you send them straight to Crips and you just get him to bite him. <laughs>
1: can we just take a second to talk about tom boyd's hair now yeah that look he's going for like hobo chic right yeah i like it i'm into it you don't think he should have a haircut and maybe like shave no i'm into
0: it i think beforehand he looked a bit tall and preppy Right. But now he looks a bit like, you know, I like it, a bit wild and long hair, bit of a beard. It's got the Brody Grundy style that like is yeah. dominating the AFL. So for me, if you want to be the best, you got to model yourself on the best. And at the moment, Brody Grundy is easily the best ruckman in the league, and I like what Tom Boyd's doing. He's clearly looked at who he wants
1: to be and he's modelled his game on their game. Well, at least his look on his look In the game, the Frio-Dogs game, when Cam McCarthy and Tom Boyd run the ball together, you could sort of freeze frame it and go, well, we're doing a remake of the Beverly (laughs) Hillbillies. Like, they are two very white trash looking dudes at the moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think McCarthy probably is a bit more actually white trash. Yeah, right. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think McCarthy probably looks at Tom Boyd and goes, you're a pretender, mate. You know? Yeah,
1: I feel, I mean, Tom Boyd's look does have the feeling of a private school guy who's second year uni and decides to grow his hair out and, you know, start do gender studies or something like that. Just kind of change his whole kind of preppy look.
0: Yeah, essentially what um, uh, Tom Boyd's looking forward to this year is like he really wants to yeah, be good in September and people are like, oh, that's fantastic. You want to play finals? And he's like, no, I'm
1: going to Burning Man. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he's just trying to work out. Do people like me just for my money? Maybe if I take the appearance of a homeless person, when people meet right. me, they won't immediately go, oh, this guy probably does well for himself. And so he gets to he gets he gets he gets to know if people love Tom for who Tom is, not for the money.
0: Oh, you think he's doing a little bit of undercover boss?
1: Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's for mainly it's the new draft picks when they come to the Bulldogs. Because I'd turn up and they'd know, well, Tom Boyd's the highest paid guy at the club, but they don't really know which one Tom Boyd is. And so that's Tom Boyd's test because he's in the change rooms, and maybe Tom Boyd like entraps them a little bit. He's like, You know what? I hate His fat cat, rich fat cats, yuppies who get paid too much to play football just to see if they're like, Yeah, yeah, like that Tom Boyd guy. Ha ha! I am Tom Boyd! I'll just tear off my beard. Ah, no, sorry, that's actually a real beard. Can't tear that off. But still, you've, you've been got undercover tommed. <laughs> bad Boyds, bad Boyds. What you gonna do? <laughs> Look, not the same, but in, this, in the same genre. Yeah, no, I like it. I'm into it. I'm into
0: the look. I'm not necessarily into the way that he's playing football yet, but I'm into the look.
1: Are you, uh, are you surprised that, uh, that Ross Lyon's been able to do what he's doing with this club now? Because I'm not. I've been a big Ross fan even when people like bagged him for being too defensive and stuff and he doesn't do rebuilds. I think the dude can coach. And I think maybe we're seeing a little something happen right now. I picked Frio to make the finals last year, I'm pretty sure. I mean, if you're talking about undercover boss, Ross Lyon would be your perfect undercover
0: boss candidate, Mm. right? Undercover Ross. I'd love yeah. to see Ross Lyon, you know, undercover at Frio in the off season, just yeah. like there, you know, down at the, I don't know, at the Subiaco beach or something like that. And he's just lingering, you know, beachside, you know, got a beard on. He's got sort of, you know, like a different outfit on and he's just observing the boys in
1: their off season. He, you know, he, should, he should do it at the club in the off season. He should like get some prosthetics. So he, people think he's the janitor. Or something, or like the boot stutter, or some, one of those kind of like people who's always at the club that you don't really know their name of. And he does the same thing as Tom Boyd. <laughs> he goes around and tries to entrap people to bag him. He's like, yeah, and, uh, Ross Lyons, not much of a coach, is he, you know? Uh, it's not that great. Yeah, he sucks. Aha, uh-huh, I am Ross. <laughs> now if I just take off this bit, oh, this is real too. <laughs> Jesus, Boyd taught me all the wrong things.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love the idea of like AFL coaches going undercover to see what the the players really think of them. I think that's a absolutely brilliant plan.
1: Yeah, undercover Richo. You know, he's just disguised as like a, a St Kilda employee, and he's like, "So uh, yeah, so yeah, now what? yeah, what's your impression on Richo? Yeah, positive or uh, pleasing? It's just like, <laughs> mate, we know it's you. We know it's you." Down at Collingwood, Bucks is
0: working behind the coffee bar, like, you know, barista style, uh, seeing if any of the players are putting an extra sugar into their coffee. And they're like, that that barista won't stop telling me about his
1: top five list of movies you've seen this summer. On the chalkboard next to the coffee machine, (laughs) it's his top five list. What did you think of Texas' response against Sydney? We've been pilloried from pillar to post, or what is it? Been smashed from pillar to post. I mean, Tex
0: was good. Tex wasn't amazing, but Mm. in the grand narrative, you know, he got a couple of cheap goals and he played well enough. And that was probably enough for a guy who's been carrying injuries and, you know, has had a bit of pressure his way. Adelaide were fantastic. It feels like eight months ago that that game actually happened. But Mm. Adelaide, if you're an Adelaide fan, I reckon it's been a mixed start to the season. You've lost some that you definitely thought you would have won, but... I would have thought going to Sydney to play the Swans at the SCG, um, and with like you know down on personnel that Adelaide were, that's got to be, you got to be really proud of that victory. And as a team, that's got to be a good one for you.
1: Did you read Bob Murphy's article during the week about like the secret society, the the almost mafia type society of key forwards and retired key forwards? No, I didn't read oh, it. What did he say? You should read it. Well, it's, it's it's hilarious. He basically talks about, it's about the Tex Walker controversy and he's like, when you play football and you've been around footballers enough, you understand that key forwards occupy their own space. They are very much a kind of like their own secret society, almost like the mafia. He, he sort of is aligning it to the structure of a mafia. Like you've got the Don, who no one really knows who that is, but they sort of like call all the shots. And then you've got your more senior players, like your Dunstools and your carries and stuff. And then you've got your new line of key Fords, John O'Brown, Nick Revolt and stuff. And then they all have opinions on the new guys, the guys who are currently playing at the moment. It's a very confusing metaphor. <laughs> but it is it makes sense when he talks about like what was going on with um Wayne Carey defending Tex Walker this week because you saw that Kane Corns came out and said that you know he was disappointing or he you know pulled out or whatever. And then during the broadcast, Wayne Carey's like, he stuck it right up him. (laughs) Ted Witton style, stuck it right up him. And it's like, oh, protect your own, like the Freemasons.
0: Well, I I love the cane Corn stuff because it turns out that cane Corns and Tex are kind of enemies in South Australia and they've got like an ongoing feud. So it really makes it feel a bit wrestling style. Like I love that Cornsy, you know, comes out and then Wayne Carey comes in and defends the key forwards. Um, Mike Heller's put up Bob Murphy's column here. Um, so it's got a quote from Goodfellas at the start of it. And the quote is, Paulie may have moved slow, but it was only because Paulie didn't have to move for anybody, right? Uh, the football world, just like the real world has a system of hierarchy. We have our government AFL and underneath that authority are the institutions we're familiar with from law and order, the MRP to the unions, the
1: AFLPA, and so on. And yes, go on. This sounds like a Two Guys, One Cup episode, <laughs> taking football and comparing it to something else.
0: And yes, like many societies, we have a mafia. A bit like Ray Liotta's character in Martin Scorsese's masterpiece, Goodfellas, I could never be a made guy. That's Bob speaking. Yeah, There are strict rules in place. The fictional Henry Hill had, an, had Italian and Irish blood, so he could, have never, could never be a made guy. He could only aspire to be a worker for the mob. At 187 centimetres and playing from a flank, the football mafia would never make me a made guy. But I wanted to. I'd been fascinated by them, in awe of them, my whole life. Our football mafia are not in the business of organised crime per se, although on occasion people do get whacked. But who are the mafia? Secret documents obtained by the age have exposed this influential secret society and uncovered the structure that protects their top man. The Don, the Godfather, this organised football family are the key forwards of yesteryear. Correction, they are the key forwards who have proven themselves worthy. It's an exclusive club. (laughs) <laughs> he's a good, good writer. I will tell it you is. that. Yeah. Very easy to read. I've, I'm yeah. reading that site unseen and I'm a terrible reader and it reads very well. He is a good writer. Um, So he goes on to talk about the idea that, yes, the key forwards essentially look a, look after each
1: other. So scroll to the bottom of the article. He's got a flow chart, which is like kind of like the crime family, the mafia family and tell us who's in the. Okay. So up the top, he's got the Don <laughs> unknown. <Yeah. laughs> Now, he does speculate in the article who he thinks it might be. I can't remember. It's like a Peter McKenna, or no, Lee Matthews, because he says that that would be the perfect kind of diversion because Lee Matthews is not a key forward, but Lee Matthews carries himself with the same confidence, ability, and ruthlessness of a key forward. Brilliant speculation.
0: I mean, it makes sense, right? Lee Matthews is your classic, and I don't want to compare him to Kevin Spacey, but Kevin Spacey's character, Kaiser Soze in The Usual Suspects. Mm. He's the guy you wouldn't suspect. He's the verbal Kent of the key forwards. But he is a guy who, you know, what, he kick? 95 goals one year playing out of a forward pocket and, and roving. So he's a man who can get the hard work done down at that end of the field. Yeah. So the consigliere, which is the next level down, Jason Dunstall, the chief, of course, uh, Wayne Carey, the king, of course, they've all got those sort of mafia, <laughs> mafia monikers. Uh, so uh, Jason the Chief Dudstall uh, Wayne the King Carey, Dermot What's Dermot's
1: The Kid Dermot Dermie, The Kid oh, no, Dermot the, the kid, kid
0: Brereton Yeah. Well he's not really the Kid anymore But that's one of those Mafia nicknames That becomes yeah. ironic over time uh, yeah. Jonathan Brown JB What's Brownie's nickname? Brownie Jonathan JB? JB Brown That's not good Is it Brownie? That'd be what like Jonathan Bad Boy Brown Or something he'd be in the Mafia Concrete and uh, Matthew
1: Lordo Lloyd. <laughs> Lodo. What is Matthew Whispering Lloyd? Death, as they used to Ma- call him. And myth- myth- Matthew Lloyd, in that, using that mafia analogy, would be the guy who actually works in the DA's office. Like, he's the dude who went to university and is in the system and stuff. But, it, you know, he's the Michael Cohen of the crime yeah. family.
0: Yeah, he's the Matt Damon. Uh, yeah, in, uh, yeah in The Departed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, yeah, he's the pretty boy that who's been raised in the Mafia family and now he's on the inside. Yeah, uh, And then next level down, Nick Rewalt, Gary Lyon, Matthew Pavlich, Matthew Richardson, Brian Taylor, Billy Brownless. There is a lot of big key forwards in the media. So then he gets to the wise guys, which is... Well, just
1: before you, before you get to the next one. So I was interested right. with how he split those up. Like, I'm surprised that Matthew Lloyd would be higher ranked than Gary Lyon. Wouldn't you think that Gary Lyon in terms of kind of... You know seniority and you know club captain for so long, and even his media standing would put him above Lloyd's. Relatively new. Yeah, but
0: I reckon Lloyd's a bit more like your silent killer again. Right. Your man on the inside, the one you'd well, least suspect.
1: Ask Brad Sewell He's not so silent. in <laughs> That game where he just absolutely bollaxed him. Where Alistair Clarkson threatened to kill him. Well, that's the thing.
0: He can he can put a guy down when he needs to. Yeah. Uh, so the next level down is your current day players, your wise guys. Uh, Tex Walker, bad boy Ben Brown, uh, Joe Danaher, Jack Rewalt. I mean, Joe... Jumping the Jack. About smoking, the thing about smoking Joe Danaher, uh, he would he put out a hit on you, but he'd miss. <laughs> he'd spray the bullet.
1: <laughs> completely yeah, for some reason, he always turns the gun to the side. He always goes around the corner. It's like, just shoot straight, mate.
0: But you know what the thing I love about Joe Danaher? When he's murdering people, still looks like he's having a real good time. Still enjoys it, you
1: know? Yeah. Yeah. Shoots someone Uh, then runs up to their partner and ruffles their hair and jogs off.
0: Yeah. Jack Rewalt. I mean, obviously suspect because he's always hanging around with the killers. Uh, Josh Kennedy. uh, Yeah, JJK. And Jared Roughhead. Yeah, good, good cast. Did Tom Boyd make the... I thought Tom Boyd made the list, didn't he? Boyd's next line down. So you got... Buddy Franklin, oh, they're, Tom Boyd, Charlie so Cano, Tom Hawkins, how does,
1: Jeremy how Cameron. Is Buddy Franklin not higher? Like, wouldn't Buddy Franklin be like, he's the Frank Sinatra of the crime family. He's the one who's all razzle-dazzle, show beers, brings in the crowds. You know, he's the kind of public PR face of that. Well, that's what thing. I
0: mean. Like, he's, but he's less a made guy, Buddy, and more like, you know, your Sinatra style, one of those like entertainers who has mob ties.
1: Yeah, right. That's right. So, yeah. So he benefits from being aligned with the mob, but doesn't have to do anything for the mob necessarily. Yeah. Well, thanks, Bob. Thanks for that uh, (laughs) good
0: 10 minutes of content for our show. We really appreciate that.
1: Uh, Is it worth just like scooting over all the games just sort of quickly? Sure. Let's do it. Will Lindsay Thomas ever play another game of football? Uh,
0: Yes. And he'll probably do something stupid and everybody will hate Lindsay Thomas again. Um, I feel a bit bad for Lindsay Thomas, but he's just clearly you one of those you have guys. a soft
1: spot for him.
0: Everybody says he's a really nice bloke in real life, but the minute he gets on the football field, he just makes stupid decisions.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's the running past the ball. Like, I think in a contest, you can be a dude who just knocks people out because you play aggressively. But when you see a dude go past the ball, and then also the damage he does as well. Like, when he hits people, they stay hit. I mean, that
0: is the one thing you got to say about him. He's effective. In fact, I yeah. think often he's convicted by his own effectiveness. Plenty of people run past the ball and try to, you know, bump someone or whatever, but every time Lindsay Thomas seems to get someone, they stay down.
1: It should be like ice hockey, where you get a goon in your team, like Hawthorne have James Sicily, These have got Tom Bug, you know, the Port have got Lindsay Thomas now, so it should be a thing that, those goons can come smash people, but only other goons. Cause that's what we want. We don't want to see we don't want to see a Selwood brother getting knocked out by Lindsay Thomas, but I'd love to see James Sicily get knocked out by Lindsay Thomas. I mean it would be a great added spectacle to the game
0: for those who still enjoy a bit of like old-fashioned violence in the game. That if each team nominated one goon per game and <laughs> who could only be attacked by the other goon. So goon on goon crime is fine, but otherwise it is completely unfair. It's also an opportunity for players who are less skilled but who are more goony to have an opportunity at the highest level.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we unofficially do that anyway. You'll bring in a player to mark another player, tag him or whatever, and he's just meant to scrag and scrape and stuff. Well, let's just go one step further. I guess the only problem is how many goons, because there's 18... How many goons do you get in a team? I reckon you should get one, maybe one per line or one per field. So forward, middle, back. Three goons. No, I reckon you get one goon.
0: That it, it's got it we've got to cut out but, the violence like a lot. And I want your goon on goon opportunities to be. Yeah, you don't want goon on goon at all times. You want just like once or twice a game to be some really uh, great goon gooning. opportunities. But don't you think every club needs like two goons on the list. On your overall list, you need one guy on the twos, you know, doing yeah. some, Goony back in stuff. the VFL, doing some VFL yeah. gooning, getting yeah. ready
1: in case your main goon is hurt. I just think though, if you have three on each line of the play, then it just means there's more chance for goon on goon action in every play. So think about it, it doesn't necessarily affect the healthy players, or the good players, or the skillful players, and it doesn't necessarily affect the game because you can still have a ball up, and then you've got two idiot goons just like punching on in the fourth pocket. It just sort of doubles the value for money.
0: I mean, yes, but you can have that regardless. I mean, if your goons are really into just gooning on, <laughs> but then like, they have to throw the other, ball around. They I get exhausted. Just... No, but they could like Pagan's paddock style. You could just have like while well, the ball's down the other end, the crowd who are down at the goal square down the other end. You could have the goons just punching each other.
1: In fact, that makes perfect sense. They don't look. Let's let's add one player to a team now. So there's 19 players on the field. So there's the traditional 18 aside, but there's a, a goon on each side, and wherever the ball is not, they have to run to and just fucking goon about. <laughs> Either like, and if you don't like the violence in junior leagues and stuff, the gooning can be clowning. They've got to do tumbles and pratfalls and stuff. Just generally act like doofuses to, for our entertainment. And then when we get to professional level, they can get goony. Well,
0: I like the idea too, Charlie, <laughs> of this like there would be a professional wrestling element to it, depending on yeah. week to week. So often you might have, like, say, two teams coming up against each other where there's a genuine hatred between the goons. So all bets are off. You know, it's full on hardcore gooning. But then there's, (laughs) and that's your kind of Fury Roads version, your your bleak future of gooning. But there's also like a more sort of pantomime, you know, Thunderdome version of gooning, uh, where the two goons kind of do a more professional wrestling style, put each other down, but not really hurt each other sort of arrangement.
1: Yeah, I think you're, Depending at the level of the competition stuff, because you can't have it in amateur leagues and stuff where they don't have proper safety and doctors and stuff. But definitely at the top AFL level, it's proper gooning, and you can have like heritage rounds where you bring out like uh, uh, David Rees Jones and 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 uh, Rodney Grinter, and they can just go like toe to toe gooning about where the ball isn't. I mean, I like that. I like, <laughs> the that legends year, match. W- it's a
0: real opportunity for, to bring back some, you know, some history of the club, some heritage, and let the goons just be who they always wanted to be, which was goons. <laughs>
1: yeah. Campbell Brown against Robbie Muir. You can have like your all-time favourite lineups,
0: mate. Cam- Campbell Brown would play for another twenty years.
1: <laughs> so where do you put Geelong? Can you get a beat on them? Are they good? It feels like they're good, but I don't know. Charlie, uh,
0: as you would know from my tips of Geelong not <laughs> making the eight last year or this year, I never can get a beat on Geelong. Uh, I have no idea. They're, they're one of those teams that just keep... I mean, look, they've been without some players. Their top end's really good. I don't know. It's like it's just hard to tell where they're at. I think they're probably good still. I'm going to say Geelong are probably good and you know, this is an aberration and they'll be fine again. They play so many games in Geelong and they're going to be hard to beat there.
1: Yeah, but they don't feel premiershipy, do they? Like they, don't, they feel still short of like Richmond, GWS, you know, even like yeah, the West Coast Eagles. But yeah, I agree. I the don't... Did they beat the Eagles? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Let's not
0: try to pretend that we know what <laughs> has happened this round, let alone in previous rounds.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, did you see any of the Carlton West Coast game? Uh, no, I did not. Uh, but I heard Carlton were a bit better. And I heard Cripps was really, really good. That seems to be the word out of that game is that Cripps, you know, he's had a cu- couple of really fantastic games of football this year. And I think that he's probably going to play more good games than he does bad games.
1: Uh, Harry McKay finally got into the side, kicked four goals. Or Mackay. McKay, 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 one of those two things. Um, you know, my favorite phrase to describe a player from a club is cold hero. Like, who decides on that? Who is your cult hero? Who is the dog's cult hero? Is it JJ? Because of their hair? Um, that's an interesting
0: question. Who is our cult hero? I think that um, there's a bit of cult hero to Redpath. I, certainly he's one of those guys that seems to be a bit of a fan no. favourite. He's
1: the barometer. <laughs> Don't confuse <laughs> your, your cult hero <laughs> with your barometer.
0: Um, Two very different. Oh, I don't know. Who's your he's most
1: electric mercurial player? It would have been Stringer. He would have been your cult hero before he left. Yeah, I
0: think that Stringer probably was. Maybe we're without a cult hero at the moment. That's maybe That's the part of the problem with the dogs.
1: I don't know who the Saints' cult hero is. I was, Josh Bruce was our cult hero for a while when he used to take more marks. and play. that When he used to play in the Saints. To... <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. He's, he's not our cult. I don't know we have a cult hero either. Maybe that is the problem. Because you could look at, like, Hayden Ballantyne at Frio, Toby Green at GWS. I mean, Richmond, fucking take your pick. It's an entire team of cult heroes. I mean, I'll tell you who is my new favourite Richmond player, though.
0: Higgins. I know we talked about him before, Jack Higgins. But uh, he was back again, and... He's post. They should just interview him post game, regardless of whether he's playing or not. He is one of the best post game interviews. I've never heard a kid more excited to play AFL football. He took a year off footy. He took a sorry last year off high school. school. Did you see this?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Basically, at the end of year eleven, they were like, "Wow, there's no point keeping studying. Uh, I think your best mate mate is to be an AFL player and not have to add up stuff yourself." So. Let's have a crack at that. And he's walked straight into the premiership team and made a massive
1: impact. And what a great character. I followed him during the draft last year. I read all the articles on him and stuff. And the only knock on him was his size. Like they were saying, if he was a bigger player, he would have been top five for sure. And, but I feel like he's one of those players, a bit like when you got Caleb Daniel, when your team is humming like that, you can take a little dude like that and it just makes you that much better. But I think for a team like the Saints or even the Bulldogs right now or Carlton or Brisbane or whatever, Jack Higgins would not be doing anything. No, yeah, I agree with that. There's, it's very much the icing on the cake. Yeah, and Richmond at the moment, like, they're, I, I feel like we are partly responsible for this. I feel like with our uh, invoking of the term Richmondy and the focus that went into them last year, they're, they're a team on a mission, which means one of two things. <laughs> They're gonna cement their status as an imposing finals-bound team, or the best of Richmond is yet to come. But it doesn't feel like it. No,
0: it's like you know what it feels like now. We feel like people at the end of the last Star Wars movie when basically it said that um, uh, there was no um, what's the name of the the, girl.
1: is a name Ray? Ray? Is that her? Yeah. So yeah. Ray in Star Wars. Farron. Her parents, Farron Rey, I believe. Farron Ray,
0: yeah. And uh, that her parents were just ordinary people. And like all the hardcore Star Wars fans were like, oh, I wanted like Obi-Wan Kenobi to be her dad. And he had a baby with C-3PO and that's who her <laughs> real parents are. <laughs> what, what, you know?
1: what crazy slash fiction <laughs> was that?
0: And uh, I think there's some hope that in the final one, J.J. Abrams will throw that out the window and you'll actually get the reveal that her parents are someone from the Star Wars universe. So I think we're hoping. We're, we're like those Star Wars nerds who yeah. can't accept that the truth is that her parents were just ordinary people and the force can be in everybody. We're just saying, Richmondy can't be over. There's yeah. going to be a return to Richmondy. There's going to be more to this
1: story. Yeah, or we're like the guys who went to high school with a dude that we used to pick on. We used to bully this guy. And then two years later, he invents Facebook and becomes his billionaire. And we still think that because we knew him when he was a geek, we have something over him somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're like,
0: we knew you at high school. And he's like, yeah, I know everything about you. I have all your data. I can see which websites you've been visiting. So how you like those apples?
1: It's a guy who, at high school, his nickname was like Skidmarks or something. And no matter how high he gets in life, no matter what position he attains, every time we see him, we're still like, hey, Marks!" And he's like, I'm the Prime Minister of Australia. Shut up, Skid Marks! You'll always be Skidmarks to us. Richmond is Skidmarks. I think Richmond are the real deal.
0: Doesn't mean yeah, that me they're going to win the whole thing, but I think they're going to the, uh, be in the mix to win the whole thing if they keep playing the way they're playing.
1: It's such a lesson at the moment with the way Collingwood's going and Buckley and Hardwick with Richmond last year, how you've got to kind of stay the course with these coaches, don't you? Because these, pre- even while well, Bevo didn't really have enough time in the position to, to have people doubt him, but it's so easy to freak out when your team is playing really badly and just to want to hit the reset button. But I think there's something to be said by letting a dude kind of actually, maybe it takes long for some coaches to impose their game plan on a, on a team or a list,
0: or get the list in place that suits the game plan that they have, that, or yeah, that's right. Have the amazing run with luck. I mean, the other thing with Richmond is they've had an incredible run with injuries, like mm. you know, and so they've been able to put their best team out on the field pretty much every week. If they manage, if say for example Alex Rance does a hamstring or Dusty's out for a couple of weeks, then suddenly you might see a very different. Richmond but they've been very lucky at the moment that they've had this kind of great uninterrupted run with
1: injuries it seems to like it seems to go hand in hand though doesn't it like it's correlation or causation or whatever but when you're playing well like that's what seems to happen is like you you seem to escape those injuries and the ball bounces your way like when you're up and about there is something there's something to that momentum that just carries you forward like I remember when St Kilda were playing finals and stuff it was like that. You know, you just, you could drop half your list to rest them. And because you're just so kind of confident and positive, you just go out and every player is desperate to kind of get into the team. So, or like Hawthorne of the last fucking five years, you know, they just bring it. Whereas if you're going like
0: Melbourne is going at the moment, you lose your best player because his dog bites his head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, where do you, where do you, is it too early to start making, I mean, who's definitely not making the finals? Carlton, Brisbane, Carlton. St Kilda. Carlton, Brisbane, St Kilda, definitely not. There
0: you yep. go. That's about it though, right? Yeah, but you're only two points in front of us. Oh, yeah, but I'm. I, and by the way, the Bulldogs have got to start winning some games or they'll be so far behind that regardless of how they play, they won't make the finals. But you still kind of have that, you know, North Melbourne, the Bulldogs, you know, Gold Coast. All those teams where you're going, they probably, none of those will probably make the finals either. But Mm. at the moment where they are, there's still kind of a chance that at their best, if they got a run on, they could probably make the finals. And then you've got that next group of, well, Essendon who've been terrible, you know, Mm. compared to what everyone thought they were going to be. Melbourne and Collingwood probably, you know, those sort of teams where you're like, okay, maybe these teams won't make the finals, but they'll be around about the finals.
1: How many hours of radio did you devote to Brendan Goddard this week?
0: You know what we—it's funny because we didn't. The boys weren't very harsh on Goddard, to be honest. Mm. Like they were all a bit like, well, he was just giving them the feedback that they clearly needed. <laughs> like they were yeah. going terribly, and he was yelling at them because they were going terribly. The problem with BJ is that he's so demonstrative, and he just doesn't look inspiring when he's giving someone feedback. It Mm. always looks like he's being really, really mean to them.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely... I mean, in Nick Revolt's book, I think the term he uses to describe Brendan Goddard is psycho. (laughs) He talks about their plan, I think, in 2009, if they won the grand finals. uh, Well, when they were playing finals, they had a set routine where they would go to Nick's place. uh, Nick's girlfriend or wife then, Catherine would make them dinner the same dinner they would have to go in through the same door and they had this plan that you know they'd do this every time up right into the grand final and I think uh they walked in the door one day and Catherine hadn't got like the right utensils or the plates were in the wrong spot or whatever and Brendan freaked out and made Nick leave the house so they could go through the whole routine again and make sure it was exactly right I mean
0: that is psycho
1: (laughs) yeah obsessive compulsive if if Brendan Goddard was in a cop show he'd be one of those idiosyncratic detectives (laughs) the overreacting detective
0: yeah he's the overreactor that's really what he is he's the guy who always has to get pulled off uh, by the other cops hang on I said that (laughs) wrong to calm him down (laughs) BJ's at it again guys someone's gonna have to pull him off
1: before the cops do I mean off the other guy I mean it doesn't matter Yeah, it's uh, it's it's. It, I, don't, I I feel like Essendon, Essendon are just they haven't just woke they haven't woken up yet. I can't. You look at their list and you can't imagine that they won't turn it around. They just need to kick up the arse or something. Like St Kilda have started the season the same way, like really sluggish in the first four rounds. As soon as I watched that Hawthorne game in the first two minutes, I could tell that we'll switched on. There's just something about the body language, the appetite for the contest, the the little things they do, and I just think. I don't know some teams that they just get sleepy, or maybe unless you have a hundred percent buy in from your entire list, it makes everyone look bad. Yeah, I agree. So the Saint
0: Kilda thing—how did you feel about the the draw? I mean, uh, as a Saint Kilda fan, because I quite like a, a tie, like you know, I like yeah. a draw. But when as you're as playing Saint Kilda in the- fan, I don't mind. I don't mind a tie in general. I don't like. There's been yeah. a lot of people this week kind of going, "Let's get rid of the tie. Let's play golden yeah. point or extra time or whatever." But I think it's one of the idiosyncrasies of the game. And I quite like a tie. Um, Mm. But as someone who has had a tie uh, haunt your nightmares, (laughs) is it, is it hard? Maybe St. Kilda shouldn't, maybe like every other game
1: still can have a tie, but if the saints are playing, they go to extra time. (laughs) Well, there's some weird stat that I think it's like the last five, uh, St. Kilda and GWS have played in four out of the last five tied games. Um, so, I am very familiar with them. I, you know what, like I, it was the same as what you were saying about the Bulldogs last week, which was, oh, the effort's great. Like, if they play like that, that's the thing that was driving me away from the Saints for the first four weeks, is I didn't want to front up and watch that. Like, I'm quite willing to watch my team if they have a fucking crack, even if they go down, you know. So, in that last quarter, we were three goals down, it looked like. GWS were going to run away with it. And I was like, okay, you know, I've, I've seen I've seen good football. And then to get so close, and it was just like, I was screaming when Jack Stevens, you know, bolted down on the wing, eight seconds to go. They cut to the wide shot. I see Carlisle's like 20 meters in front of Phil Davis. And I'm like, <gasps> and then just from that fucking, and Carlisle too, who's got the stickiest hands. I mean, if you're going to pick one player in the entire team to kick it to, it would be Jake Carlisle but. Oh well. So I don't know. Like I feel I, I I feel like the season has started from round four, five. Like we're ready to go now. Like I've I've just forgotten the last three weeks. If if we bring that effort against the Hawks in, in Launceston I'll be okay.
0: Uh yeah, I think uh I mean it's good to see season kill to have at least a good positive. Well, po- was it positive? Did Richo find it positive and pleasing, or did he? No. Find did it you not? See, did you not
1: see Richo in the, the vision of Richo in the box in the last fifteen seconds of play? Is fantastic because Richo, normally very reserved guy, yeah, no, nah, yeah, no. Nah. No, nah, he was fucking. He was screaming, and, and you saw him pump the arms when he saw like Carla that take the grab, and then the arms drop, and then he screams for a free kick like he's sitting in the animal enclosure at Maravan. It's amazing, like. I would love to see Richo lose it. Like he just—he he keeps it all under wraps so much. I'd love them to mic him up one of those in one of those games.
0: Yeah, I, I would like to. I think there's a bit of Incredible Hulk about him. You know, yeah. by day he's sort of mild mannered Bruce Banner. You know, trying yeah. to keep things. You know, sort of yeah, nah, yeah, nah. But you don't want to make him angry. You're not going to like him when he's angry.
1: Well, Ross Lyon was a bit like that. And I remember seeing some vision of Russ Lyon at training. I don't know if it was with Freo or the Saints, but it was Russ Lyon actually on the field and he was trying to tell one of his defenders how to place a block. And he's like, sort of like, you know, speaking, it's quite heated. And he's like, you know, you don't just let him go, you stand through. And he went, goes up and shoulder blocks this player and knocks him like four feet backwards. And it's like, oh, holy shit. Like Russ Lyon presents like your drunk uncle. But you know that when it comes down to it, people are going to listen to him and I just I don't know if Richo has that side I've never seen it uh any other games that we need to
0: cover off before we because we should get to the tips uh soonish because I'm on a, uh, a
1: tight schedule today oh actually there's one thing that I thought uh was good for this podcast I want to read out so I went to the Saints message board sensational after the draw and just was reading a few things and they were mainly Saints fans i got to say on the message board were mainly positive mm-hmm. um But there's this one post uh, from the Linton Street Flash who was talking about uh, Ben Patton, who's a a guy we drafted last year. And he says, can't wait to see this guy play. He's a transition specialist, apparently. But here's the key. He misspelled specialist. He typed O instead of P. So it looks like transition socialist. (laughs) So the next post under that is someone saying, wow, transition socialist. Now we're talking. We have too many bourgeoisie passengers living off the hard labor of others. May Patton and his loyal band of followers usurp the primitive accumulators of possessions and thereby redirect the flow of capital to a new dynamic equilibrium wherein the class struggle produces continual revolution. Brothers and sisters, raise your red, in brackets, black and white, flags. (laughs) Which I thought was awesome. I mean, it'd be great if Richo started doing a
0: bit of that pre-game, you know, getting out the Little Red Book, or, you know, reading some Karl Marx to, yeah. The, yeah, to the boys. Like, today's all about Marx. No, not forward line Marx or
1: back line Marx. Karl Marx. Karl Marx. And then after that, we're going to listen to some Richard Marx. Why? Uh, no reason. I just, I just like him. I was Googling his stuff and he came up. <laughs> All right, let's get to next. Well, tonight, very hopefully, when people are listening to this, they'll be on the tram or the train out to see the Bulldogs taking on Carlton. Must yeah, win game. So goes without saying. Must,
0: right? must win game for the Western Bulldogs. If we don't win this one, we probably don't make finals. Uh, Carlton, obviously, a lot of pressure. You know, uh, coming on Carlton, uh, but they played a little bit better last week. I hope they play well, but not too well, and the Western Bulldogs win this one. We're still a, a few players down. Our barometer is out though, Charlie, so no red path. So, I mean, it'll be hard for us to tell the temperature at the game tonight of how things are going to go. Uh, Tom Boyd, um, no haircut, uh, you know, is in the team still. A um, couple of good players back. Oh, I mean, I hope the Bulldogs win this one.
1: Yeah, I uh, don't know how to pick. I mean, Bulldogs are clearly the better side, but and they're, tra- they're traveling back from Perth and Carlton showed good signs. Oh, I don't know. I mean, Bulldogs should win this and I'll tip them. My instinct is telling me Carlton. But they, they did have to
0: they dog. did have to travel back from Perth, Charlie, but the good news is they didn't really expend that much energy while they were
1: over in Perth. So they should <laughs> be nice well and rested. fresh. <laughs> Down at the Cattery, the, <laughs> the Geelong cats. Down at the Cattery, the cats take on the Sydney Swans.
0: This is an interesting game, I reckon. Sydney. No Buddy, you know, no Hanabry. Yeah, and Sydney just going at the moment, and Geelong at home. I w- I'm going to say Geelong will win this one. They're pretty hard to to beat down there. They're still without Ablett, aren't they? He's not back yet, but. Yeah, that's right. um, I would have thought that, you know. Geelong but it is
1: also one of those traditional Bloods type games, you know, like smaller ground. I, uh, you know, not that their back's against the wall, but the odds are stacked against them. And so I could see Sydney getting over, but without Buddy. I mean, that's a big problem and no re either. So I'm going to say the Cats as well. Uh, North Melbourne take on Port at
0: had on uh, Saturday, which is in suddenly, if you picked this at the start of the season, you would have gone, this this is just a lock for Port Adelaide. But Mm. this is,
1: I reckon this is North lose. Haven't uh, Port gone off the boil so quick? Like round one and two, we're like, oh, they're top four material. And now we're like, they stink.
0: Yeah. And um, obviously, they had all the trouble with Pal Pepper. Uh, Adam Spencer, a good friend of the podcast, sent us a very funny uh, Pal Pepper vocal warm up, which, uh, in light of the incident that uh, Pal Pepper has been involved in, I think that we should at least keep that vocal warm up suspended for the amount of time he's
1: suspended <laughs> for games, at the very least, out of respect to the situation. Uh, North looked great. Like, I mean, they, they sort of took their foot off the pedal after the first quarter and let Hawthorne back into the game but they look good I mean it's one of those things you know like the analogy we use them about being like an old Australian car or whatever if they can keep you know that forward line that spine healthy Goldstein and weight and stuff then they'll be all right they'll be all right so I'm gonna pick north they've got a really good back line north you know
0: and they Ben Brown's obviously an A grader now he's established himself and White is you know managing not to get suspended or injure himself anyone. really terribly yeah. for which is Zebor down Forge really fantastic. Um Yeah, they look alright. North Melbourne um, much better I than mean, I think anyone. Billy
1: Hartung into an exciting player. Like who would have thought that?
0: I Ex Hawthorn
1: to Billy Hartung looks great. In North Melbourne colours. I mean, they're probably due to
0: have a shocker. You know, like mm. you know, you know, emerging teams aren't consistent, you know, normally. And they're probably due for a shocker and Port Adelaide really need to make a statement. But I'm gonna you know what? I I just feel that uh they've they've got a new batch of Shinbonus Spirit down at Arden Street. Yeah. Bloody and, hell. And
1: and uh I, I'm gonna say North. Maybe that's a secret. Are they renovating Arden Street at the moment? Have they dung 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 have they dug into a spring of Shinbonus Spirit?
0: Oh, are you saying that they've like they've been doing some renovations down there and they've found a, 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 deep a well. reserve, a reservoir of shimbona spirit that runs yeah. under the venue? Yeah. Or is there a chance that um, a Brad Scott has got, like, one of those sort of water diviner style arrangements down to the club? Somebody, yeah. you know, with, like, a couple of sticks trying to find some some yet Shimbana undiscovered shimbona spirit.
1: I love that. Before the game, an hour before the first bounce, you just see Brad Scott walking the boundary line <laughs> with a stick.
0: Brad Scott's really excited because he picked up uh, like some props from Russell Crowe's The Water Diviner at his recent divorce auction, and he actually managed to get the two sticks that help you find uh, Shinbonus Spirit.
1: What's the next game? Because my screen's frozen. I can't
0: see uh, GWS are taking on the Brisbane Lions at Spotless Ooh. Stadium. Jeez. GWS win that. Yeah, it could be tough too, right? It could be like ugly. They need to have a really impressive victory and at home against Brisbane, I reckon this is your classic
1: uh, GWS, you know, just, you know, Harlem Globetrotters, Washington Generals. Wave. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, GWS for me too. Down at Launceston on Saturday night, the Hawks take on the Saints. Um, I reckon Hawthorne would be so stung from their performance against North last week. They're going to come out pretty fired up. No James Sicily though. No Rioli. No
0: Poppy still. No, no Poppy. Rioli, I think.
1: Yeah. So still pretty good team. If we can Burgoyne's back, if we can keep Tom Mitchell, I mean we don't really have a, a recognized tagger. We can probably send like a Seb Ross to him or a Luke Dunstan or something, but I reckon we're a chance. If we if we play this we beat them down there last year by almost seventy points. So um, I'm gonna tip the Saints. Yeah, nice one. I'm not. Hawks. (laughs) You asshole. (laughs) The Crows take on Gold Coast, Adelaide Oval. A revived uh, Adelaide. wouldn't be amazing if Adelaide lost this game. It would be so fantastic. Also,
0: with the season that Adelaide are having, it just wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I feel like at the moment they're just having that real up and down start to the year, a bit like Sydney had last year. I reckon they're going to they'll warm up into it and get good, but I still yeah. feel at the moment that they've got some shockers up their sleeves. And God, I'd love Gold Coast to go to Adelaide in front of forty thousand people, a sold out Adelaide crowd who've just come along to watch their team do a bit of showtime. Yeah. And uh, but I'd say Adelaide at home are going to be too strong for Gold Coast.
1: I'm going to pick Gold Coast. Stewie Dew is an Adelaide boy. He probably knows that ground pretty well. I'd say he's going to get him up and about for that game. I'm picking Gold Coast and that's my lock of the week. Uh, I reckon uh, that
0: might that's not a bad tip. You know, Stewie Dew's <laughs> probably getting to town early so I can have a pie floater before the game. He'll be relaxed. <laughs> he'll be comfortable, he'll be ready to go. Uh, but yeah, I reckon
1: Adelaide win that. Get some one. chicken salt. Uh, Essendon take on the D's. Battle of the disappointing finals aspirants. Yeah. I don't know who wins this.
0: This is a tough game to pick, I reckon. Um, Melbourne have had one more day rest. I mean, Essendon need... Yeah, uh, Melbourne. I'm going to say Melbourne. I'm going to pick the Bombers? Just. Who knows? Toss of the coin. (laughs) Don't know. But I'm going to say Melbourne. You know what? Melbourne need to get their season back. If they're going to be the new Richmond... They need to actually get their season back a little bit now, and I'm going to say without Petrarca, um, they have to lift. I'm going to say
1: Melbourne. Okay, the Pies take on Richmond in the blockbuster of the round. This will be uh, well. You know what? We'll, we'll nah, see. Richmond I, will win I, this. Yeah, Collingwood I, I, will be I, tired. It's like, tired, and their backs yeah. are so far from the wall at the moment. They're, they're basically I mean, they can standing barely see in, in the wall. They're standing in the middle of the field. They're closer to space. the other
0: wall on the other side. Their fronts <laughs> yeah. are almost to the wall. <laughs> I picked Richmond as well. But if Collingwood beat Richmond at the MCG on Sunday, what I'm going to tell you is that my next week at work will be very easy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The last game is the Derby Derby. Frio taking the West Coast Eagles. Hmm, Uh, I'm going to pick Frio in this game. We talked a lot about Uh, Frio. We gave you a big pump up at the start of the episode. I'm going to close. I'm going to bookend it. Good storytelling. Just like finish as I started. I'm going to say Frio.
0: Well, I am going to say that the uh, West Coast Eagles are going to win this, uh, my new favourite team, the West Coast Eagles, and uh, that is my luck of the week. Uh, speaking of which, I will be in Western Australia next weekend for my own personal uh, <laughs> derby <laughs> slash derby. Uh, Friday night and uh, Saturday night, I am doing my Will Eagle show as part of the Perth Comedy Festival, so uh,
1: come out and see that Friday and Saturday. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Tofop. We uh, have a question and answer episode, bonus episode up on the site. So Patreon is just a, a way to support the show. Uh, subscription based, you can donate any amount. It's a monthly charge to your credit card or your bank account. It just helps us pay Mike and, and everyone else who works on the show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, <laughs> sorry, <Yeah. laughs> I was done. I was like, I was basically done. And I was like, this is the end of
1: the show. I really need yeah. to go to the toilet. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell people while you're going to the toilet, I can tell people to go to toeflop.com to get uh, this podcast and many other podcasts that we do together and separately. And that's about it. Play on Not 15. Ball. We are Two Guys, One car.